Well, I am super excited for this morning, okay? We are launching into a new sermon series that's going to take us uh, up until Palm Sunday or Easter, depending on how many weeks we need, okay? And this sermon series is called Gifted to Serve, okay? And I am very, very excited about this because one of the callings of a pastor in Scripture, we're going to unpack it later, so I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, is to equip the body for works of service. Do you realize that if you have put your faith in Jesus, that God has not only given you physical talents and abilities that you have because you're born, okay, uh, but he has also given you spiritual gifts that come when he gives you his spirit, that he has given you gifts that he wants you to use to walk in the ministry that you have to serve one another in love, to advance his kingdom. And so as your pastor, I want to see each and every one of you discover and develop your gifts. I want to come alongside you to help you with that because guess what? We've been called for something bigger than just the here and now. We have been commissioned. We have been unleashed to ministry. Young, old, everywhere in between, we all have a part to play. And so over the next month and a half, we're going to be digging into how each one of us as Christians have been gifted to serve. Uh, But this isn't just something that we're just disconnected from the rest of it. Last week, we wrapped up our Flourishing in the Midst sermon series on 1 Thessalonians, right? And this was where we ended, okay? This is as Paul is wrapping up this power-packed letter. He says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May he make you more holy or more like Jesus. That's That's what that word means. Set you apart as different from the world. Then get this, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful, or the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And then he wrapped it up with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You see, last week we ended this sermon series. If we want to flourish in the midst, it comes from knowing who we are in Christ, what God has given us as his people. God wants to settle in us our identity as a Christian. That if you have put your faith in Jesus, your sins are washed away. That God's Spirit lives inside you. Do you realize what that means? It means no matter what is going on in the world, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And when you feel shaky and anxious and fearful, God is there saying, come to me and I will fight for your peace. I will guard you in the midst of it. It doesn't mean those feelings go away, but it means that we have God himself inside of us. And it means that one day, yes, we will go to be with him and spend eternity with him forever where there's no sin, no sickness, no war, no calamities, no tragedies, no anything like that. That's our identity. And God wants us to be settled in that so that we can be unleashed for ministry. So today what we're talking about, gifted to serve, you are unleashed for ministry. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. What does it mean for us to be unleashed? Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, and then we'll get into the bulk of our sermon for today. Paul said this. He said, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace, the unmerited favor of God, given not just even though we don't deserve it, but in defiance of the demerit we have. God's goodness, it's given, it's a grace that brings salvation has appeared in Jesus Christ. This grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So it's God's grace that saves us that is also teaching us, and that word means to teach like you train a child. And if you have raised any kids in this world, you know that that doesn't mean you just tell them once and leave them. 
God's grace is there to teach and train and correct and forgive and love and teach and train and redirect and course correct and redirect and love and discipline at times so that we can be self-controlled, upright, and live godly lives. And in this present age, while we wait for what? What does it say up there? What is it? The blessed hope. What is that? What do you think that is? What? What is it? Christ coming back. Yeah, look. Sometimes the answer is right on the screen. The blessed hope. The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. While we wait for that day, that's the end game that's coming. And get this. Who? Jesus. Gave himself for us to redeem us, to buy us back, to put the worth back into us, to redeem us from wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. This last part. Eager to do what is good. You see, when God saved us, he didn't just wash our sins away. He redeemed us from wickedness. He's purified us. We belong to him and he desires us to be a people who are, what does it say? The last five words there, six words there. Eager to do what is good. Yeah. That word for eager is the word, we also get uh, zealous or to boil. Okay. It's a Greek word. uh, It's a Greek word that means to boil over. That God wants us to have this enthusiasm, this zeal to do what is good. In this sermon series, you as a Christian are not just saved have your sins forgiven and go to heaven. You are saved and set apart to be God's people boiling over to do what is good. And there's a purpose for it. Why? What are we waiting for again? That blessed hope. There's an end game that's coming. We live our light in regard to that day that is coming. And God desires us to be unleashed in ministry. Because when it talks about being eager to do what is good, as I see it, It's doing the ministry that God's put right in front of us. And so in this sermon series, my hope and my prayer is that you will be able to see more of how God has wired you in your natural talents and abilities, in the passions that you have, and in the ways that he's gifted you by his spirit so that you would know what is that ministry that I'm called and equipped to do. I want to be eager for good works. What is that? What part of the body do I have to play? Because you see, it's as each of us use our gifts together, that's how the body grows and flourishes. And we're going to be getting into that today. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be there in just a bit. And I want to pray one more time. And I don't think you can ever have too many prayers in a church service. God, as we get into your word... We want your word to do the work in us. God, this, this sermon series is, is supposed to be really practical and for us to step into it. So God, will you empower me to, to speak clearly and simply and will you give us hearts and ears that are ready to listen and give us wisdom and clarity to know how to apply it. Show us our part of the body here. Show us our niche. Show us our ministry that you put in front of us. We want to be eager to do what is good. Show us what that is. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, okay, at chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, Paul is going to go through who you were, who you are now, why, and what's next. So if you are a Christian, this is who you were. Okay, let's look at it. As for you, Ephesians, okay, as for you, Christians here at Skiff, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. It wasn't just like, well, you were in a rough spot. You were really sick. You're dead. 
You can't come alive again by yourself. You're hopeless. You were dead in your transgressions and in your sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. If you're a Christian, this is what you used to be. You used to be an object of God's wrath. Why? We all have sin in our lives, right? We all say things, do things, and think things that are against God's perfect will. And we fail to do the right thing, right? And that means we don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. The Bible says that our sin, the payment we receive because of our sin is death. And it's the just wrath of God. Because sin is going to be punished. God hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. He hates sin. Sin is like a cancer because it's selfish and it destroys. And God hates sin. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you are still an object of that wrath. That's not a capricious wrath. It's a just wrath. Sin is punished. That's who you used to be. Who are you now? Let's look. If you put your faith in Jesus because, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, when we were dead in our sins and dead in the ways of the world, God made us alive in Jesus. Then it says, look, it's by grace you have been saved. That unmerited, you can't earn it, you don't deserve it, favor of God leaning out towards you, given in defiance of your demerit, that grace, you have been saved. And not just say, but God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That's who we are now. If you're a Christian, that's who you are now. That's your identity. Why? Why did God do this? Let's look at the next verse. In order that in the coming ages, he, God, might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God saved us by grace. Why? He wanted to show the whole world in this age, in the age to come, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, the reality that your sins have been washed away, the reality that me, us, sinful people can live forever with God shows God's incredible kindness to the world. You see, it's God's kindness in his grace that leads to repentance. Because we realize that we don't have to stay in this place of condemnation. And it's not because we're going to all suddenly be so good, but we go, I need you to save me. And he says, I'm here. I'm willing. I love you. I want to show you my kindness. So who we were, who we are now, why, and then what is next? For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So he says, look, you're saved by grace. Christian, listen, don't ever forget. It's grace. It's a gift. You can't be good enough to earn God's salvation. And you can't be good enough to keep it. It's a gift. It's given. Not by works. Nobody can boast, I'm good enough, I'm not as bad as this person. No, it's a gift that you receive by faith, by being persuaded that you need a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. And you say, Jesus, will you save a sinner like me? 
And he does. And then here's kind of the key verse for our sermon series. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Christian, you are God's workmanship. That word for workmanship is like the word that you would use if you were describing a poem or a masterpiece, a picture. Literally, it's you are a masterpiece in the making. Okay, if you know um, about um, Leonardo da Vinci, right? The great inventor and sculptor and painter. And he had one of his most famous paintings. Anybody know what one of his most famous paintings is? What was that? Mona Lisa, okay, yeah. And, and it said that he never stopped working on that picture. Like his whole life, he always was tweaking and painting. It was his masterpiece, but it was his masterpiece in the making. He was always working on it up until the day that he died. You are a masterpiece in the making. God is shaping you and moving you and transforming you into the image of his son. And one day when your life is over or Christ returns, you will be completed and finished. But you are a masterpiece in the making. And here's a really interesting thing. It says, look, we're a masterpiece in the making. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Christian, I want you to know this. God has ministry that he's put in front of you that when he saved you, he had in mind for you. And he's making you into somebody that can step into that ministry. He's making you into a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece in the making who's been unleashed for ministry. Now, why is this so important? Paul, if we skip down to Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's going to get into some of the challenge of this book. You see, he spends chapter 1, 2, and 3 talking all about this is what you've received through faith. This is who you are. This is what God has given you. You're a masterpiece in the making. And then he gets to chapter 4, 5, and 6, and he says, Because you received this as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. God's given this to you. Now walk it out. You'll see this all throughout Paul's writings. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who's the one inside you, both to will and to act according to his good purpose. God has given you salvation. Now live in it. This is your identity. Now walk in it. And this is what he says. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Just as there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Do you see that unity he's calling us to? He says, look, there's one body, there's one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's overall. There is this unity that he's given us, and in the midst of the unity, there's diversity because it changes. In the next one, but to each one of us, there's one Lord, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one body, but to each one of us as individuals, Grace has been a given as who apportioned it? What does it say up there? Christ. This is why it says, he's quoting from the Psalms, I believe. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Each one of us has been given, in Greek, it's called a, 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 a charisma, or in plural, a charismata, a grace gift. 
Now that word is used of the salvation freely given to us. Salvation we have is a grace gift. As we look in scriptures, in the desire of Christ, he has given each one of us a grace gift that when he rose from the dead, he won. And he gives them to each of us that we may walk in being that masterpiece in the making. Okay, so, so why is this so important for us today? Okay, so we've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do this ministry right in front of us. And get this, we have been gifted by God's grace to accomplish that ministry. Let me say that again. God has gifted you as a Christian with a spiritual gift mix to walk in the ministry that he has for you. To be that servant that is faithfully doing what God has called us to do. And you know what? We're each different. We all have a different part to play. So why is this sermon series so important? I want you to understand what kind of tool you are in God's hands. I've got some tools up here, okay? I've got a hammer. And I've got a screwdriver. Now, you use these to do similar things often, right? I have two pieces of wood I want to put together. Hammer and nails, screw and screwdriver, right? I could use either of them, okay? Uh, Some of you have probably every once in a while, maybe you're doing some type of project, you see a nail that's sticking out just a little bit, your hammer's not around. You ever done this? Does it kind of work? Ish? Is it very good for the screwdriver? No. Is it as good of a job as a hammer could do? So has God made you a hammer or has he made you a screwdriver? How has he gifted and shaped you? Another way that we could look at it, maybe not necessarily like construction tools, but what kind of paintbrush are you? Here's something I want to get about being a masterpiece in the making. We'll get to this a little bit. Where Part of the gifts are given to build up the body. So I want you to get this. Your gift that you use is one of the ways that God brings about that transformation. As I walk in my gift of studying and preaching, I grow. I do. As you walk in your gift, you will grow. And as I use my gift, it hopefully is one of the ways that you grow. And as you use your gift, it's one of the ways that grows me. It's kind of like if we're each God's masterpiece, all of us, as we use our gifts, are kind of like this little paintbrush or a big paintbrush, whatever, dipping into the colors of God's grace and painting on each other to make one another the masterpiece in the making that we are. So your gifts, as you walk in them, help bring about your transformation. It's one of the ways that God uses. Yes, God's word. Yes, his spirit. Yes, prayer. Yes, community, okay? Walking in your gift and his serving is one of the ways God uses to shape you and to shape those around you. When Jesus was sitting at the well with the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman, he's having this conversation. He was there by himself. Does anybody know why he was there by himself? Anybody know the background of the story? The disciples all got there. It was the middle of the day. They didn't have any food. So all the disciples left to go buy food. So Jesus is sitting by the well waiting for his disciples to come with food. He has a spiritual conversation with this Samaritan woman. And, and she's going to become saved out of this, okay? But we're not focusing on that. She leaves, the disciples come back, and they're like, Master, we brought food. And he's like, I have food you don't even know about. And they're like, why did you send us to go get food then, right? 
He says, my food is to do the will of the Father. There is a type of nourishment that we only get as we walk in our ministry. And I want you to know what kind of paintbrush you are. Because if you think you're this, and God is calling you to paint a wall, that's going to be kind of difficult, right? If God is calling you to paint a wall, he's probably made you to be one of these, right? And if you think you're one of these, and God says, I want you to do this little detail work, it's going to be kind of tough, right? So what kind of paintbrush are you? Or what kind of tool in God's tool belt are you? You see, God has wired you and gifted you for service, ministry he's put right in front of you. And so in this sermon series, as your pastor, I want to help you discover how God has wired you and I want to help, help find places within the church, within the community, within your families for you guys to walk in that ministry. Why is that? If we go forward a couple verses. Ephesians 4.11. It was he, it was Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Or that word can be pastor slash teacher. Why did God give those gifts? We'll talk more about what those are. God gave those gifts. Why? What does it say in verse 12? What's the purpose of it? A little louder. To prepare. Yeah. To prepare God's people for works of service. Look, one of the reasons why I am a pastor, a calling I have, is to help equip or prepare God's people for works of service. I want to help you know what, how God has made you so you can walk in the gifts that you have. When that happens, okay, to prepare God's people for works of service, why? What's the outcome as we walk in our spiritual gifts so that the body of Christ is built up? We edify one another. That's the me using my paintbrush to paint the masterpiece that you are and you using yours to paint the masterpiece that I am until we all reach unity. As we walk in our gifts, we have a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And then there's maturity. We become mature, attending to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. So when we walk in our gifts, we edify and build up each other. We bring a unity of faith and knowledge. It leads to maturity and it leads to us as individuals and as a body becoming more like Christ. And as we do that, we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead... This is the goal as we walk in our spiritual gifts. Verse 15. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. You see, this is what Paul meant when he said, look, those that have been saved have been predestined to be conformed in the image of his son. Everybody who puts their faith in Jesus, the end goal of what they're going to be is like Christ. And as we walk in it, that helps me and you grow together to be more like Christ. From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every, get that, every supporting ligament grows and builds itself in love as each part does its work. Christians here, young, old, whatever your physical or mental or emotional abilities are right now, everybody brings something to the table. You never retire from using the gifts God has given you. It may be a little bit different than it was when you were younger because maybe physically you can't do some of the same things. 
But God is calling us to walk in our gifts, young, old, and everywhere in between. Everybody has a part to play. It's as the whole church comes together, does its part in love. And we're going to be unpacking that over the next handful of weeks. So, so why does this matter? You knowing and walking in your gifts, like I said, is one of the ways that you are transformed and one of the ways that God uses you to transform others. And so my desire as we walk through this sermon series is for, to help you find your GPS. Okay? And here's what I mean by that. Your gifts plus your passions will equal your sweet spot for ministry. Okay, this is, we're just kind of, just scraping the the surface right now, okay? I want to help you be able to see the gifts that you have. Over the next month, we're going to seek to get clarity of what the gifts are. We're going to look at a basic understanding of all the scripture. And I'm going to challenge and encourage you to look inside and be like, what God-given passions do I have? Because when your gifts and your passions line up, it's like the sweet part on the baseball bat that when you hit, the ball's going to go further than, than if it hits somewhere else, even if you were swinging harder. Because you see, your passions that God has given you is going to help empower your gift that you're going to want to keep coming back and doing that. Maybe you have a passion for junior hires. And somebody else may last in the job like, you know, two and a half seconds. But you're like, I love this. And so your teaching gift shows up with your passion with junior hires that you're not, you're not going to get burned out as easy as somebody else. That's like, you know, put me in the nursery. I love what I can just hold them. Okay? So... The challenge is that we would seek what are our our gifts that we have, how do they line up with our passions, and yes, let's look at our natural abilities too. We can look at how God has wired us. And and, why is all of this important? And here, this is where you can get out that handout if you want to look at it, okay? Because the next couple parts are going to be on that handout. You guys did a good job. You You didn't get that out early and like, you know, looking while I'm talking. Good job. Three reasons why it's important for you to develop your spiritual gift. Number one, it gives you direction and purpose for your life and the freedom to embrace and enjoy who you really are. When you know that God has made you to be a roller, you can find joy and purpose in God uses me most often to paint whole big walls. Now, it doesn't mean that we're never going to serve in an area that's not necessarily in our giftedness or with our passions, because sometimes there are ways that we're commanded to serve, and we don't just be like, nah, sorry, I don't have the gift of service, I'm not stacking chairs. Well, you know what? You can still stack some chairs sometimes. But when you realize, God's made me a roller, this is what I'm called to do, it gives you purpose and direction in your life. And if, and if, if somebody wants you to do something that's more like detail work, you're going you're gonna to be like, I'm going to have to talk to God about this because this is who I am, and he often doesn't call me to do that little detail work. So it gives you freedom to embrace who you really are. You can be you. You don't have to be me. You don't have to be your spouse. You don't have to be somebody else. You can be who God has made you to be because he made you that way on purpose number two the joy that results from impacting lives when you walk in your gifts in the ministry that god has for you there's impact and that brings joy because you see this is part of why i was made this is part of why god saved me and there's joy from that and finally number three there's accountability as we're held responsible for the stewardship of our gifts remember we talked about there's this judgment time Okay, and for Christians, when we come before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not heaven or hell because we're judged based on the righteousness of Christ. But it's, what did you do with the time that you had? 
What did you do with the resources you had? What did you do with the spiritual gifts I gave you? And I don't want us to get there and be like, could you go for those gifts things one more time, Jesus? I don't know if I quite got it. There's accountability because this is what God has given you to walk out the good deeds in front of you that we're to be eager about, to be zealous about. So those are three reasons why it's important for us to develop our spiritual gift. Now, you have also been unleashed in ministry. I want you to get that. You've been commissioned as a Christian to walk in the ministry that God has given you. You've been equipped and empowered by the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit. Your identity is secure in Christ. You are unleashed into ministry. And that being unleashed is not simply, knowing your gifts is not simply about filling volunteer slots in the church. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. Yes, there will be opportunities for us to look at. Here's areas of need that we have. Do your giftings and passions line up there? But that's not what it's about. It's about you knowing who God has made you and how he's gifted you, how you've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works in your home, in your community, in your workplace or school, and yes, here at church. So you have been unleashed. And then I wanted to give this to you right up front. Here's your spiritual action plan. Over the next six or so weeks, here's what we're going to be teaching about. And you know what? If it just stays here in this room, it's not going to do what it needs to do, right? Here's my challenge to you. I challenge. I ask you to commit to discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gift here in the local body of believers. Okay? I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to study the gift passages in God's word and the definitions that we'll give out later. Okay? I challenge and encourage you to do that. I challenge you to pray seriously, seeking divine guidance. I challenge you to do that. I also challenge you to seek quality counsel. Invite a friend or a family member to join you on the journey. You see, uh, gifts are often discovered within community. In a couple weeks, I'll be giving out some different assessments that we can take. Those can be one tool to try to see how God has wired you. So take those. And when it comes to a time when you're like, this may be my gift, I'm not quite exactly sure, but here's some of my passions, test it out. Talk to one of the leaders and say, hey, I want to try this for maybe six weeks or eight weeks. And if it's a good fit, good. If not, you can step out. But if you don't get wet, you never learn how to swim. And if you don't walk in your gift, how do you know you have it? And finally, as you do that, you can examine the fulfillment and joy factor. Is this something that God is using? Is it fulfilling? Does it seem like it's a purpose that he's given me? And the next part on your... your, um, Sheet is this. I challenge you to seek to be filled by the Spirit. Because yes, we have the analogy of the tool brush, and we have the analogy of the screwdriver and the hammer, but but here's the things. Spiritual gifts, it's true, they are developed and exercised. The more you walk in your gift, the more you'll be more comfortable using it, and you'll grow, okay? It kind of can be like a muscle that you use, but spiritual gifts are not simply about developing a skill set. They are given by the Spirit of God. So if you want to walk in your gifts, I dare say it comes by walking and being filled with the Holy Spirit, cultivating the inner life. We don't lean into the gifts. We lean into the gift giver. So if you want to discover, develop, and deploy your gift, I challenge you, walk in step with the Spirit. Be in His Word. Be in community. Be in prayer. So what does all this mean for us today? Number one, I, I hope I've at least piqued your excitement a little bit. 
as we look at what is, how has God gifted me? How does he want to use me? You know what? You have a part to play in this community and in this church. So, so what? I want you to read and meditate on the spiritual gift passages, okay? These four passages we're going to be covering over the next couple weeks, these are the main teachings on spiritual gifts in the Bible, okay? We're going to start here and learn the theology of the gifts and what the scriptures actually say, right? Because we're a Bible church, right? God's word leads us and guides us. And I want you to begin exploring your God-given passions. And that's where if you look at the bottom of this sheet and on the back of it, you have homework, okay? I want you to, at the very front end of this study, begin examining what are some of the passions that God has given me. And there's questions there for you to answer. Do you have burning convictions inside of you? Are there any areas of ministry that you care about more deeply than others? Are there specific areas of ministry that your gift mix suits you to make a difference in? And then on the back, there's a list of different passions or things you could have. It's not an exhaustive list, but look at it prayerfully and choose three or four. These things really resonate with me. And then there's four questions that these may be ones that you may have to wrestle with a little bit. What do you absolutely love to do? What do you do that has significant impact on others? What do others tell you that you're good at? And this last one, what do you secretly believe that you could do but you've never tried? Now, all this stuff is on that handout. And if you didn't get one, um, I have some more out there that I can get for you. Uh, you can also email myself or Barb and we can send you a PDF uh, of, of that handout. And the other thing is we're also going to be having a Sunday school class that, uh, that Adam is going to be facilitating where we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this, not this week, but starting next week. So those are all ways that you can take the steps in this to be equipped. Because you know what? Like I said, if it stays here in this room, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I dare you and I challenge you to be unleashed. And the last verse that I want to read today is from the book of Titus, chapter 3. It's similar to that Ephesian passage. At one time... We too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, being made righteous as just as if we never sinned, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. And then this, get this part. Paul is writing to Titus, who's a young pastor. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. All y'all, that have trusted in Jesus Christ to save you. I dare you to be careful, to give attention to, devoting yourselves to doing what is good, walking in the ministry that's in front of you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love and your grace. God, I thank you that you have saved us, not because of any righteous thing we've done, but because of your grace and your mercy.
God, I thank you that you, when you saved us, you didn't just save us to forgive our sins and bring us to heaven. As awesome as those are, you have also gifted us for the ministry that you put right in front of us. So God, as we get into your word, as we get into community, as we really seek this out, God, we are asking that you will show us how you have, how you have made us, how you have gifted us, and what the ministry is before us, God. Because we know that you're on your way back could be today could be in another thousand years so we want to live ready and waiting we want to be faithful god we want to be eager to do what is good will you show us what that is and in the midst of this god we look to you and we say we're going to build our life on you and on your love in your name jesus we pray